Hey, tots, bots, and thoughts. It is Wednesday, November 11, 2020, and this is the 56th installment of the Weekly Catch-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Carson Gibbons, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend, Mr. B-Rad Colvin. That would be me. We're also joined by Heston Williams. Let's go. Finally made it. Finally, dude. We've been trying to get you in here for forever. I know. What's the deal? Well, when you're straddling as many markets as you are, tends hard, to happen. Hard man to get a hold of. Yeah, we almost didn't get a hold of Heston today uh, due to some crazy accidents out in the field. So we're really glad that you made it. Yeah, absolutely. I am as well. Finally. Let's get number 56 in the books, boys. You ready, Brad? All right, man. Let's get it. It's the weekly catch up with Carson and Brad. Here to talk about the week we done had. It could be sports, religion, politics. We keeping the tabs. You would think they work for Gucci, how they deep in they bag. Get your facts up. On Wednesday, we'll be counting the stats up. So turn the volume up till it's maxed up. You know the drill. So tell a friend to tell a friend to relax up and chill. We back up. This is the weekly catch up. Three times in a row, Mr. B-Rad. We've had guests like three pods back to back to back at this point. I know. It's like we're legit or something. I know. People like want to come on the show. Yeah. It's amazing. Heston, we're very glad that you're here. Tell us what, what happened with your dad that you were out in the, he was out in the field and leapt from some sort of farm equipment or something was on fire. Like what was going on? Yeah. So interesting story. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my dad is an old school welder type guy. Um, and he was on a man lift, uh, just a, a basically a man basket about five feet off the ground. And he was using his torch to cut off a piece of pipe. That uh, hot piece of pipe, which is, you know, I don't know, 1,600, 2,000 degrees, whatever iron melts at, um, it fell down on top of some batteries on the piece of equipment and lit the batteries on fire. So then he starts freaking out, thinking that the batteries are going to like explode and blow acid all over everybody. So he jumps out of the thing from about a five-foot drop. And whenever he hit the ground, it actually busted his calcaneus, which is your, your actual heel bone proper, oh, busted that in half. So oh. um, he, he had his first appointment with um, an orthopedic surgeon today, um, and they're setting up to do some work, I think, next month. Goodness. That's insane. First of all, very manly way to get injured. Carson and I couldn't even think of the machine that <laughs> yeah, no. wood. my description earlier was like i don't know i think something was on fire he leapt from like, it it didn't go well yeah. yeah the whole all the audience was Which, yelling yeah. at us um but the bucket thing so like what they would fix a power line with right uh similar is it similar. out of the back of the bed of a truck or well you know just like a a man lift that's got the steel basket it's not insulated like you would have on a on a line truck okay just a steel the whole thing basket. goes up yes okay uh, okay it's not like a bucket that he's hanging off a crane. It's the one where it just like, yeah, it's just a, it's just a steel basket. They'll hold two or three guys on the end of a stick mm -hmm. and it's got the base with four wheels at the bottom. Goodness gracious. Nice. Yeah. Well, he's doing all right. Uh, presumably, okay. uh, it's still very early. I mean, this just happened yesterday, yeah. which obviously called into question whether or not I would be able to make it. Um, okay. Luckily, luckily it's not bad enough that I had to head out immediately. I told Heston he has a standing invite, so if it wasn't this week, any week that he calls, and you can keep that even though you're here. We're glad you made it. Absolutely. Okay. And speedy awesome. recovery to Mr. Williams. Yes. He I'll must just be in excruciating pain. Well, I it 
so at the beginning he was trying to tough it out and thinking you know i don't i don't need any uh pain meds well he changed his mind on that pretty quickly uh, so there's <laughs> the they, initial shock wore off <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh but he's staying in front of it now uh, and i guess he's doing pretty well relatively speaking okay well good you've got a lot of family stuff going on recently yeah we did the whole episode on my shock with your what was it chloe's birthday party yeah for those that don't remember carson uh gave the background story for him showing up at uh presumably he thought it was a birthday party however it turned out to be a baby shower and um so this is the guy it was a it was a surprise gender reveal to me oh yes and birthday and birthday birthday. but no (laughs) nobody cared about the birthday in that moment (laughs) i sure didn't i was like (laughs) you lied to me on your birthday (laughs) I wish you guys could have seen Carson's face at that moment when he realized something was going on. Well, because Chloe, she she yelled so loud for you when I first came in that I was like, goodness, like, what did I do wrong? And uh, now I know why. But, you know, yeah, I just mean, a just shocking moment. The way she yelled, I almost thought it was an emergency. Yeah, you look startled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, cause I saw him in the background. He turns around real quick and whips around and deer in the headlights kind of look. And then she pointed to the the sonogram photos and I. My first thought was literally like, what is all of this? Like, how do, what do I do with this? I just didn't even know what was going on. I was oh, like, uh, Brittany's already having kids. Great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, shock of the century for me. Yes. Yeah. It was a ton of fun. Very, uh, we were so grateful to have you down there. So I was just glad to get to come into your subdivision, man. I love all the beautiful homes around you and the <laughs> yards. And <laughs> did uh, I tell you this part of the story? I don't it's think brutal. so. So, uh, I hadn't been out there probably just two years, maybe, maybe two yeah, or three years. Probably something like that. It was pre-YC, I feel, was probably, really been that long? probably wow. when we think about it, because we've been socially distanced for most of 2020. True. So I didn't see you for probably six or eight months to start the year. At least. Essentially. So it was definitely 2018, um, and Heston's house was like at the end of the drive, and there was just like woods on two or three sides, basically. Yeah, we were at the end of the block. There was there was no traffic that passed in front of our house. And there were trees all around us, big old growth trees. Um, we had deer, uh, turkeys, this giant great horned owl that would come up into the backyard every morning. Um, and then they uh, they came in and bulldozed it all down and, and built 300 more homes <laughs> with barking dogs. It was jarring because I didn't know what was new and what it had always been. You know, like your yard backed up to other yards. And I was like, was this the way it always was? Or Yeah, the, the visual cues have changed uh, dramatically. Even for me, knowing that it's been that way for over a year, sometimes I will see things that kind of throw me off. That's one of the skills that they aptitude test you on. Like, because, you know, an FBI agent can get out and know all the subtle differences of walking a street. Like he can describe the door. He or she could describe the door next to that door and what color it was, what way the wind was blowing. The rest of us, like me, I don't see anything. <laughs> like I see my destination and you're in my way. You know, I couldn't tell you what color the door is. Yep, I'm with you. <laughs> There's a stop sign. So, yeah. I, do you ever do that aptitude testing where they made you like, uh, they would do like the clicking sounds or whatever and you had to tell them back like what you heard, like long pause, click, click, click. Mm-hmm. And they would just do that kind of like rhythm testing. I feel like I did some of that because I actually thought about going into the Army for a little bit. I wanted to go fly helicopters, and they put me through a battery of tests there. Um, so I feel like I did some of that in there. Where what what do you mean they? The Army did? Yeah. Yeah. Did I know about that? Uh, no, probably not. That's That's been a while. There's a lot you don't know about this man. I, I have <laughs> yeah. always known that. but 
Wait, I'm sorry to derail your train of thought. You can finish that, but I have a lot of questions all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> no, they. So there's this um, there's this building here, not far from where we're at right now, where if you are a um, a potential military recruit, you go there and they they put you through, um, like I said, a battery of tests. Um, you've already done your ASVAB at this point, maybe a couple other written tests, but this is where all the physical stuff takes place. ASVAB tests, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone the gets following, following right along. Yeah. It's the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery. And, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, that's where they test uh, to see you know how good you are with mechanical knowledge and math and comprehension and stuff like that. Um, but then anyway, once you once you're actually going to be a prospective recruit, you go in and they'll they'll check to make sure you don't have like weird calcium deposits in your knees and that you have full range of motion and like, you know, that you don't have any, any defects that would cause you to otherwise not be accepted. You can't mess up the mission, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And since, uh, since I wanted to be a pilot, that is, I mean, there was a, a specific set of tests that, that I was going through. What, what age were you when this was happening? Oh, I was early twenties, I think early to mid twenties, somewhere in there. So how old were you when we met in 08? You're going to make me do math? I just turned my I turned my phone off, man. I don't have a calculator. <laughs> I know. It's a lot of numbers have passed for Heston since then. So yeah. that would have made you uh, 38, 12. 12 no. <laughs> <laughs> you were, you're six years older? Yes. Are you 36? Uh, 37. 37. I'm 31. I'm oh, a okay. week or something. Dang. Um, okay. So we definitely met because you were 20. 20 22 yeah, no you were 24 you were 24 uh, i was 18 yeah so it had to have been before that then it was right about that time okay so what happened well they so here's the deal uh to be a pilot you've got to sign on for a minimum of six years active with an additional two years uh of reserve after that um and i was good with that that wasn't a problem the problem for me was that I wanted them to put on a piece of paper that says, uh, we, once you finish basic, we're going to send you to flight school. And I told them, I was like, look, I, I know that you can't guarantee me I'm going to be a pilot. That depends on my performance, right? But, but they, they couldn't guarantee me a shot in flight school. And so I left from, I left from there. And that's whenever I found who, the guy who became my, flight, my private flight instructor down in Cleburne, Mr. Sam Ball. Interesting. Huh. One of the many lives. I mean, you've always been kind of a weird hybrid. I used to describe you as like, oh, I don't know. Like my friend has like this business and the oil and gas field and he's a geology major pilot, just flies around and like looks at rocks. And... <laughs> yeah, we're not up too close. We met on uh, the Dino Dig. Yeah. I feel like we've we've talked about you so much on the show that I feel like people, people that actually, don't know you probably know you. But... Yeah, that's where I met Chloe too. My wife. Really? Yeah. How many years prior? I met her in 2006. So two. Yeah. Okay. I remember when I went out there, you guys were still, you were just like her hot friend that paid for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was shortly thereafter that you went after her, right? Like that yeah. year, the next well, year? Two, so we started dating in October of 2008. Yeah. So it was because I was on that godforsaken trip from what, <laughs> May to August or something? From May to August. On the um, dino dig. No, that's just the month of June. Oh, jeez. <laughs> just felt that long? <laughs> felt like eight years. <laughs> he was complaining so hard, guys. It was hilarious. I got a B for complaining <laughs> for my attitude. 
that's incredible. I'm like, I just did slave labor in a quarry for you for a month, and you're going to give me a B to start my academic career at this dumb institution? He was he was upset about digging up 65-million-year-old dinosaurs that no human had ever seen and getting four <laughs> hours of science credit for free. I, I was disappointed that I had to live in a tent to dig up 65-million-year-old bones to go to a trailer to be told that the bones were actually 10,000 years old and that Jesus would save us all. <laughs> and then assign 200 pages of reading by flashlight. And we literally had a 25 minute lunch every day. We dug six days a week. Man, it was I, like holes. I'd probably complain about that too. Heston, yeah, you I, would. I want to know your initial thoughts of Carson, especially, yeah. this especially meeting, episode. Him, meeting him while he's on this trip. Um, what, what stood out to you? Oh yeah. Well, I was like, <laughs> well, he's not going to make it. <laughs> like, oh. Make it how like on the trip. Yeah, that's or, very ambiguous. Cause I didn't, part of me did not make it back Just from that trip. Facets. <laughs> part, are you saying part of you died along the way? Part of me died and part of me came to life. Oh, do you know what I mean? I don't explain. <laughs> yeah. Well. That's it. It's <laughs> all all the details I'm given. But no, it was I was 18, uh, summer before going away to college. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. The gang was interesting. Like yeah, Tony Zambrano, Chris Lace, Austin Lunyon. There's always you. an interesting mix of people there. Yeah, it, highly interesting. I didn't really answer your question. I was really being kind of uh, sarcastic a little. <laughs> we bit were doing great there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he was he was very um, awake and curious for a while, and then I think uh, he started figuring things out pretty quickly, and, and yeah. just we started downhill slide. Carson, Carson tends to adapt, and and you know, I don't know where I'm going with that, but you're you're a smart dude. Yeah, I start strong, and then I figure out the line that they sold me, and why this is not just all that in a bag of chips, and just, that's why there's just only completely deconstructed everything. Yeah, I'm like, there's a reason why there's only 20 of us in this field in South Dakota or Wyoming or wherever <laughs> we were. <laughs> we were like, I had to climb a rattlesnake-infested mountain every night to get one cell phone bar to try to call home. Like, you know, there was, I, I was 18. You know, I discovered the opposite gender, and none of them were there. You know, <laughs> so it was an issue. Yeah, yeah. If you, if um. If you haven't heard, this place where we were at, just for references, probably about an hour and 20 minutes from the nearest community, which is Newcastle, Wyoming. If you don't know about Newcastle, Wyoming, there is basically one pizza place and a couple other buildings there, and that's about it. So we were very remote. Yeah. yeah. That Car Carson, you know, being uh, away, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's a good... Being away. <laughs> yeah, you want to elaborate on that? Well, you know, no cell phone service, no, no love interest, not even loving, no women. Hard labor. Just, Not even love it. Women. <laughs> just women. Way to make me sound like a middle. I mean, middle it's, ages. It sounds like all the women there were already, you know, had. had there was interest. one. There was one, and uh, God bless her. <laughs> you know, it was a bless your heart situation. I don't know. I feel like we got off on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> what you? Yeah, I just uh, you know, I had a big mouth back then. <laughs> Oh, Apparently, man. I was posting everything on Facebook in common format. <laughs> Heston shows me like how how many years old was that? That time was twelve up? years ago. Twelve twelve Today. years ago. I'm just giving Chloe, his wife, a rundown of my day and how I felt <laughs> on her public wall. <laughs> That's dude. Speaking of Facebook memories, I, I got a great one that we've told the story on the podcast before, but I got a Facebook memory on Sunday, and it said, "Well." 
I'm going to be deleting all the music off of my iTunes library. Yes. And people are commenting like, what? Why? And I was like, uh, I went to that seminar where they talked about how evil rap was. So there goes Kanye. There went everything. All the Jay-Z. Yeah. Brad used to get me music in college. And then he saw the Lord through Viva. Wait, so can I hold up a second? Hit me. I've, I've heard this story before because you talked about it on one of the very early episodes, yeah. I believe. Has that Long already been ago. a year? Um, Are you saying that was like one one of the first like oh, two or three? Whenever episodes? we talked about it, yeah. Because you mentioned this on the pod, I would have yeah. I wouldn't have known. About well, it's that. episode it was, it was one of the fifty six, so we're into month fourteen. September of of nineteen was the first podcast, I think. Yeah. Something so like that, that. It must have been if you just had that memory come up, then yeah, it's been a year ago. That's crazy. Wait, no, you're referencing a memory that you had like a billion years ago. Of oh, that yeah. So up. whenever it initially happened, like that week, like back in 2010. So this is a memory within a memory. <laughs> this is like some Inception wow, stuff, bro. Inception. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Just, you know, just a fun little tidbit. I love that. Uh, I thought about that whenever Michael was talking about Michael was on the show last week. And um, as you know, and um, he was texting us afterwards and he's like, does David the Psalmist say salvation in one of like the beats in the opening song? And we're like, what? No, like, I don't think mm-hmm. so. And I go back and listen to it. And if it's like the bump, 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 bump. Yeah. Sa- uh, salvation. Yeah. The instrumental that he picked never, never thought anything about it. But yeah, he definitely says salvation. So then it reminded me, I'm like, oh no, hidden messages. Brad's going to like delete the show. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are good. Those are good Easter eggs. I'm like don't, don't have goat heads in the intro. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when they used to sell us on that, that goat heads were a sign of Satan and we had to like, yeah. I just see them in like Z gallery homes, you know? Well, they <laughs> would sell it and like say that it was the artist choice, which first of all, I don't typically think most music artists are, I don't know if they have that much hands on in the music video process or like what's shown i think they're kind of a lot of times i think they're along for the ride i could be wrong in that but i think sometimes they're just like oh that looks cool yeah that yeah you know what i mean a hundred percent yeah especially like the larger well i feel like it's elastic right where you're a new artist on the label they're like hey we we've got the if (laughs) we've got the girls out by the car (laughs) with the spinners and we're just going to have them shoot for several different videos we got the pool we got the food plate like you're just going to walk down and and they're just like okay they're just kind of going with it right and then you get to another level where maybe they have more artistic direction like beyonce has a say in her if she's not totally concepting them with her team to begin with right and they can't just slip it in right that's fair so and the goat heads were in jay-z's video so maybe he did have a say in it but I don't, I don't know. Who knows, man? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> I definitely on. remember that symbolism, though. I remember those even even the like a five pointed star rotated just right so that two horns are up that could stand in as a goat head. And still to this day, I see that. If I see a five pointed oh. star rotated, I'm like, oh, better watch man. out. <laughs> Satan didn't even know. You didn't. That's how they get you? You didn't have to go to those assemblies, right? Because you were a uh, village. No, I did. Whenever I first moved down there, yeah. I had to go, even though I was village. Oh, that's right. Assembly was global. It was uh, a chapel that was uh, residents only. Yeah, exactly. Assembly, you'd you'd see all those faces that you wouldn't typically see throughout the week. You'd be like, who's that? Yeah. Trying to to holler. Yeah. (laughs) The keen residents. Yeah. Who who didn't 
make it into mug shots. My mom brought me Swahoo mug shots the other day, and I was like, man, we were all so ugly back then. <laughs> you just, the cameras were not as good. Yeah. They had us on that, like the fashion sense, you know, mm-hmm. just a bunch of air apostle going on. It's disgusting. Yeah. I had a lot of Express. I was wearing Express my freshman year quite a bit. That's what's up. What were you wearing, Heston? Oh, man, I have no idea. It was probably <laughs> something I got from Walmart. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, I was I was one of those those weird kids who just really didn't didn't uh, care to follow any of the trends at the time. Uh, but I think I think there probably was some value in that. I just didn't recognize. And whenever I say value, I mean social value um, that I just was not aware of at the time. Well, you're like the coolest guy I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean that in jest, like you're a cool dude. Yeah, you're like, if you have a problem with my dungarees, I'll take you up in the plane and see what you think. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. he's over here probably getting an A in Dino Dig and oh, not yeah. complaining. He was there optionally. He wasn't even doing it for credit, <laughs> this a hole. Like, can you believe that? He I liked can. it so much he I kept can. going back. And I'm uh. over here like struggling through my first rotation. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we so actually hot. went back in 2016. <laughs> really? Chloe and I took oh, Eddie there, and we went for a couple of days. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dang. Yeah. Who who were the suckers out there this time? <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I went to see there – was, there's was a few select friends uh, who are still there, Dr. Chadwick being the guy who really puts it on and runs the thing. True. Um, really wanted to go back and see him. He is he, – he, this guy has held a, a core part of Chloe and I's life ever since we first met him. In fact, he – I was about he, to say, like, you revere him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dr. Chadwick actually um, officiated our wedding. I forgot oh, about wow. that. Yeah. With his little dinosaur tie on. At the JP? No. No. At, um, uh, what is that? Did I just this get an invite to the reception? No. I'm just, no. The, so the actual <laughs> wedding part was in the middle of the Uh-oh. week because we got a, a good deal on the, the, it was like a chapel. What's that name? That cha- Marty Leonard Chapel in Fort Worth. Okay. I thought you went to the JP at like twelve twelve at twelve twelve twelve. Yeah, that's whenever the so that's whenever we actually legally got married. But we had like a a ceremony sort of thing where he officiated like a vow exchange. Okay, okay, that's crazy. Yeah. So I arrived in fall of '09 at Southwestern as a biology major, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm I'm supposed to take this class from Chadwick, and it I don't. I think something happened in 2009 around that. Does does that ring a bell? Like maybe some, I don't know if it was medical or if he just, something was going on, but they had to have a stand-in professor from him. So we got like this new professor had never taught a class before. And um, I was lost in that class. And I never even really, like Chadwick was there for a week and then gone. Oh no! So Did I'm, I'm really, that? I mean, I've heard him speak and I've, obviously like you and several people like speak very highly of him. So I'm really bummed that I never got to take a full course from him. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite classes from him was philosophy of science. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You were talking about him playing a pivotal role in your relationship. I think we kind of cut you off there besides the efficient duties. Like how else has that manifested itself? Well, he came along at a, um, a critical maturation point for both Chloe and I individually. Um, and that played a role, a significant role in who we are today. I believe that anyway. Um, you know, he, he just taught me a lot of things that a father or grandfather would teach, uh, teach a son. Hmm. So that's, that's just kind of the role that he's, he's played for me. That's really cool. Interesting. Well, 
glad someone's had a great experience with them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Shout yeah, out all the love um, to our alma mater. That's another yeah. thing that kind of unites the three of us. Yeah. Um, and even last week's guest is y'all are the only folks I talked to from Southwestern Adventist University. <laughs> That's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like we actually shout out to Cynthia Gust. She Let's listened go, to the podcast. Cynthia. That tweet meant a lot. I was like, okay, there's people from... You know, because yeah, like I hate love, thinking yeah. that we left. Well, I left with like so many relationships not yeah. really intact there. Yeah, for me, like, because I still hang out. Or I, <laughs> you're like as the king of Swahu. <laughs> no, not even the Swahu, but like I know Cynthia from Burton, so I like I attribute. Oh, that's true. I attribute that relationship to to Burton, not to Southwestern. But... Oh, she's listening because of you, bro. We know. <laughs> <laughs> as is like probably seventy percent of the audience. <laughs> no, 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 that's not true. But um, definitely appreciate. Uh, you listening, Cynthia, and many others. So, uh, uh, Heston's lot, also a number one fan. Alum. Yeah, Heston. Anytime we ask for feedback, or we uh, always engaging on there, which was much appreciated. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a. Uh, I don't know. I just I just really enjoy tuning in every week and, and listening to the show. You embarrass us when you like drop our name with like these other reputable right scientific like when he did the portal and weekly catch up. I was like, which one of these doesn't? Fit? You know, <laughs> well, yeah. both of them. Yeah, are... put that in an aptitude test. And <laughs> yeah. show, show us which one doesn't match. Both of them fit very well on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can I'll consume both with AirPods, <laughs> dude. That's funny. Um, the portal is crazy. I've only listened to a couple episodes, but um, he's had on a wide variety of people that intrigue me. Yeah, one of my so I think the reason that I made that analogy is I really appreciate it whenever you have two people of a high aptitude who can come together and and debate an idea or talk about or discuss uh, with the mutual intent of arriving at some sort of uh, understanding of the other, not necessarily agreement but understanding of the other side's mm -hmm. uh, point. And, and I find that both in the weekly catch-up and the portal. Wow. That's, it's good to know that even during the debate or the disagreement or mm -hmm. conversational volley that it is perceived that we're trying to find the common ground or, hey, what can we leave and agree on today, you know? Yeah, I'm, gl I'm glad that translates because I feel like that's a lot of our friendship too is that, you know, we can – like Carson and I are very different people, but I think we both find value in each other's opinions and everything. So I'm glad that that translates to the listener. Well, and I pointed out that even my friendship with Heston is kind of exhibit A of mm -hmm. two different types of people, <laughs> like being able to be friends because he's out there digging bones and like, <laughs> yay, I'm like climbing mountains, trying to get out of there, like <laughs> finding a rock big enough to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, if I just bash my head enough, against this enough. Uh, oh. They're going to find your bones in a few years. Huh? Yeah, I'm like, dig me up. <laughs> At least you're digging me. <laughs> oh, All right. There's definitely a difference. All right. You got notes this week? I got a few. There's a billion. Uh, we I got things I want to ask Keston, but we got all the time in the world. Yeah. So. First of all, I just want to say uh, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. That like n jokes aside, I have always loved Jeopardy. Like I like if you're part of my family, I have made you watch Jeopardy with me. Um, just one of my favorite shows. And I, I have always loved that game show for Alex Trebek's humor and also, you know, his his kind like 
his his comedic timing is great and also you can tell that he still really cares about his job and um, the contestants and everything i've also had a few friends that have been on the show and they speak nothing but great things about him um so i was i was uh really bummed to hear it you know we had i think we even talked on the podcast whenever he had first um, been diagnosed with uh, cancer and um we were we were hopeful and pulling for him and everything but um sad to see him go yeah what is sadness yeah (laughs) (laughs) silver linings playbook and everything but yeah yeah, he went downhill quick was it pancreatic yes man that gets us guys Mm -hmm. like i've seen i had a great uncle go down like i mean it kills you in 90 days basically Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's brutal yeah it's it's a wonder how you know he lasted that long to be honest um yeah so rest in peace to him sean connery also passed uh that's right. I saw that too, like at 90, right? Yeah, and I don't know if you're familiar with the SNL sketch where um, Will Ferrell plays Alex Trebek, and I can't remember, but somebody plays Sean Connery, and he's like, shuck it, Trebek. Yeah. <laughs> and so I saw, a, I saw a meme where uh, it had Sean Connery, you know, because he passed first, and so it was like him at the pearly gates, and he's like, I made it here before you, suck it, Trebek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, rest crazy. in peace to both of them, legends. Um, so that's that's my first notes. What you got? Is that the in memoriam of the podcast? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout yeah. out to my career. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh, I'll, I'll do a in memoriam. My old apartment. I'm moving out of that thing. Let's go. I'm moving in next door, actually, to where we are now. <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, you swung us by before the taping of this episode, and uh, it looks like a great place. Yeah, I'm hoping that. It'll, it's definitely going to be a nice step up and, um, you know, just Victory Park and excited. Got a good got a good deal on this uh, this one bed top floor. Excited to um, be able to walk to work. And yeah. whenever we're doing the podcast and coming into the pods, we can just easily walk over and um, going to be, you know, this is like Victory Harwood area. And so it's just more walkable. So rather than upgrade car and living situation or vice versa. I'm going to shelve the car in the garage as much as possible because um, half the stuff that you would do from a nightlife perspective, grocery, coffee, office, podcast, everything, even just walking is right down here. So this little area has just grown up. Like I was telling you guys on the way over, like I would not have projected in 2012 that I'd be living in Victory Park by 2020 with happiness, like wanting to live there Yeah, because the South Victory Park has just completely grown up, you know, in the last really five, seven years, I feel like. And the the vacuum that Uptown created when it just became more transient in nature, like nobody could keep a keep a, a shingle, you know, for more than a year. All these high-profile busts in these same areas. And before you knew it, my favorite bar has been four different bars, you know, in the interim since it closed. And now it's vacant in Uptown. So this is a good area. Are you familiar with the Harwood story? Uh, I don't think so. I'm going to butcher this. Are you familiar with it? Nope. As I understand it, this Swiss guy came over in the 80s or something like that and met some, he met, bless you, he met, sorry, we could have just kept going. I, mean, I, being, I, <laughs> I didn't want you to have to hold it in. It. I appreciate that. You're a good man. Get that COVID out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, he. so he met this girl from this uh, prominent Texas ranching family and fell in love with her and said, I want to marry you. And she said, yeah, that's all well and good, but I'm not going back to Switzerland with you. 
And he's like, don't worry, I'll bring Switzerland to you. And so he purchased like major tenants of properties or, or major city blocks, like 18 city blocks right around this area where you see the Rolex building and Salesforce building, all of that good stuff. And started this vision for a more walkable, you know, eat, drink, live, play type uh, atmosphere. And that's why you see Mercat and St. Anne's and Happiest Hour and now South Victory. South Victory isn't really the same quote unquote neighborhood, but directly adjacent. So, yeah. wow, that's dude to be to have that kind of pool. But it harkens back to what we were talking about with your neighborhood, where there's enough data behind me as an adult to remember that place used to be cool. Kids used to go there or you don't want to live over there now. Now you want to live over here. So to watch like within this little microcosm, things change so dramatically is is interesting to watch. Yeah, that progression is always, always fascinating. I think it can inform the interesting thing <laughs> is it can inform uh, other decisions too. You know, you've seen like what you've seen. Well, like you've seen how this property changed, right? Like, you know, that backstory and you've seen the way it's changed over the last decade. So maybe in, in a next life, you're living at a different part of Dallas and you see a similar type opportunity and you think, Hey, remember that Swiss guy? No, for sure. A hundred percent. Like it, I'm, I'm not even naive enough to think that this will be the it spot in 10 years. You know, it right. might have shifted again. But to your point, the idea of like my cousin with the land development in Broken Bow or Hochatown, right. what parcel of land can you snap up, sit on for 20 years? Everything around it becomes this marketing pull, this financial fundraising pull. You know, mm -hmm. one business begets another. Yeah, that's too much. I don't know, man. That seems like a little bit too much of a gamble for me personally, because you know, you're just, you're buying, you're putting a lot of money out there up front and there's a lot of carrying costs associated with, with holding that piece of property, waiting for it to become more valuable. So not a good investment strategy? Well, it, not for me. It, I'm sure it obviously is for other people. Maybe people who have more data than I, uh, people who, who know that, um, you know, a certain area is going to be gentrified or built up or, or developed like, like, uh, this place in Oklahoma. Um, you know, if you have that kind of information up front, then sure, why not buy in front of a wave? But if you don't know that that wave's coming, then it's a gamble. Dang. Heston's always giving advice on Twitter and everything, too. Like, this guy, he's the one that uh, was helping me whenever I uh, downloaded Robinhood and started buying some stocks, um, which is much appreciated, but yeah, can, can glean a lot uh, from Heston Williams. Dude, I'm buying Heston stock. Yeah. He's starting a fund for self-storage stuff oh, yeah. i don't know if that's nda protected but might as well raise some capital while we're doing this <laughs> yeah. um heston's like storage king is that right tell us how you yeah. do this because yeah. this so, is like real applicable on the ground making money yeah i mean um so self-storage everybody everybody drives right by it a lot of people use it um it's a very visible uh, asset class that at the same time is invisible People mm -hmm. drive right by it and, and they'll see Starbucks and they'll see apartments and stuff like that. And they'll, they'll drive by these office buildings, but they won't notice the five storage facilities that they drove by to get there. And the demand, I, I mean, my reasoning is as long as Walmart and Amazon are still selling stuff, mm -hmm. people are going to keep buying it and they're going to need a place to put it. And so the square footage demand is going to continue going up. And so there's a ton of different ways that you can approach the storage market as a whole. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can benefit from it. So you've got cash flow opportunities there. Um, you've got capital gains opportunities. 
And and then of course, whenever you're owning investment property, there's a tons there's a ton of tax advantages as well. So um, there's just, the good thing about it is is that it's very stable. Whether the market's high uh, and and booming or it's crashed through the floor, uh, people will continue to need more storage because in both of those cases they need storage maybe for different reasons. Right. Yeah. I I even I have a storage unit that's holding all my stuff that I, whenever I move back from Maryland I'm waiting to get a house and um, I didn't realize you had a storage unit yeah. this whole time. Yep. The past year and a half. Yeah. So so you mind so general idea what are you paying for that per month? You don't have to tell me exactly um, where you at. Uh, uh, low hundred. Low hundred dollars. Okay, yeah. so just to just to give listeners um, an idea of the kind of um, money that's possible with storage. So the value of a property depends on how much money it's making, mm-hmm. right? So one hundred dollars a month on a five percent cap. You Google that if you don't know what a cap rate is for property. One hundred dollars at a five cap property is twenty five thousand dollars of equity on the back end. So a one hundred dollar difference mm-hmm. in revenue. And have a twenty-five thousand dollar impact on the valuation of your property. That's for every hundred dollar unit, it's twenty-five thousand in like lifetime customer value, or however. Well, put it in SaaS terms for me, or something. Yeah. So, so that's that's kind of um, there's a lot that's being left out of that conversation. Um, so, if somebody's out there listening in the self storage, don't skewer me because I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to keep. We this. lost all our cash. <laughs> <laughs> trying to distill some stuff here next week buy gold (laughs) but yeah i mean if you think about um so that hundred dollars a month is twelve hundred a year and so if that's just twelve hundred dollars in cash flow the question is how much are you willing to pay to buy that cash flow and a cap rate is is kind of a way to price an asset Hmm. so five percent of that is that's that's where you go from your twelve hundred to your twenty five thousand Okay, so okay, so it's like taking the hundred dollars and times in it by sixty. No, I'm saying um, if it's twelve hundred dollars to get to the twenty five thousand dollar valuation, um, that's what twelve cycles. What am I? What math am I doing here? So, how many years of realized revenue or realized bookings with the storage unit so, is the twenty five thousand? So really what that is, so that's the valuation of the property. That's not like cash in your pocket until you do something like a refi. And you refinance the property at, at the new valuation based on the new income levels. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's whenever you realize the 25000 Is this a shell to refinance and pull cash out without tax penalties? Is that what this really is? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Thank you. It, I'm like, Let's not call it I'm a like, shell, but I mean. <laughs> well, but, I mean. I guess put it in the most stark terms for my lizard brain, you know? Yeah. So, so whenever you refi, let's say you ref, you have a house and you refi that and you pull equity out, you're putting that cash in your pocket, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it's an, it's an equity event. So it's, it's non-taxable. Okay. Whereas if I'm I just, ha- I'm going to listen back to this episode and then take notes. Cause yeah, it's amazing so, how little I know about right. money in some ways, even no, as, blessed and advantaged as I've been. I know about certain aspects of money, mm-hmm. but you know, th- the ability to have money make money is something that Heston's always had on lock compared to me. So I'm trying to absorb here and you'll have to dumb it down, obviously. Yeah. I mean, each dollar is an employee and it just depends on how you want to put it to work at its most highest level of Dang. efficiency. 
nugget right there. How many employees you got, bro? <laughs> We're going to put this episode behind a paywall just for how yeah, valuable it is. I know. Call today for the free brochure. So I'd always just thought that what you were doing is finding a podunk storage unit, realizing that they were not collecting full rent on the storage unit because it was a paper system and neglected maintenance. And you were going in there with a weed eater, a fresh coat of paint, digitizing all the paper workflows, uh, raising rent five bucks. You do all of that in an effort to raise the rent, at, have 100% occupancy so that you can refi at the new valuation. Exactly. All right. Man. Yeah. We're on to so, something. So, so if you have 100% occupancy, then that means your rent's too low. So we'll start there. Um, or I mean, yeah, yeah, your rent's too low. Okay. Uh, so, you know, you want to raise it up to market rents. And that is a real, that's a golden nugget. If you find a piece of property that the rent's too low, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Um, but just, just as an example, you know, if you can use technology to get rid of a $100 a month phone bill, then at the back end, whenever you have that property reevaluated, that's an extra $100 a month that's back on your bottom line in your net operating income, which is that 25000 I mean, and you're not going to find a 5% cap rate a lot. It's just as an example to get mm-hmm. you kind of towards some round numbers. Um, it can have that kind of an effect. But yes, you're right. Find uh, find something that's mismanaged, needs uh, improvements here and there, uh, technology and physical, and, and just uh, run it. Interesting. So would the goal be to consistently ride market waves and your own improvement to continue refinancing, getting this cash out tax penalty free, and then one day you sell it at a profit or like, what is the exit strategy? So, I mean, selling it at a profit is fine. um, But, but then you're obviously going to have the tax burden that goes along with that. Mm -hmm. What's most intriguing to me is just the cash flow. Uh, because that's that's the ultimate freedom is just cash flow, right? This isn't going to make sense, but it does, does it ever feel like the best way to make money is by showing that you don't make money? <laughs> you know, yeah. like the actual like liquidity events that we right. all dream about, the exit. Sometimes I feel like that's pe- what people avoid or something. Yeah, oh, for sure. absolutely it is. Because if you sold that same piece of, let's say you bought a property for $100,000 and then you, you did all this work and you sold it for $200,000 a year later, you're going to pay a significant portion of that gain in tax and just vaporize. It's gone. Federal government. It's disgusting. Finally, something we agree on. (laughs) Anything happened to the federal government in the last week or so? (laughs) (laughs) Congrats to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. It's official. Uh, Is it? I mean, I, I, I feel like it is. I feel like they're, I, I've looked at the recount items like with the outstanding ballots, and I just don't think that you don't think with Trump filing lawsuits or anything that that's going to make a I think the minute difference. the the minute that Saturday mainstream media and even I mean, Fox News immediately like went back to normal. Yeah. They immediately president elect Joe Biden and VP elect Kamala Harris, blah, blah, blah. You know, the minute that they carried that celebration in Delaware mm-hmm. on Saturday night and Kamala did her speech, all of that, it was official because good luck. Let's say that Trump like got these lawsuits through and did all this. He's still not going to be president, even if the vote came back and he won for real, you know, like public well, opinion and all of the momentum is not on his wasn't side. Wasn't it like in the early two thousands or something with, uh, with a John Kerry or some like that was Oh four, right? 
I, I felt like somebody was announced president and there was even like published newspapers and stuff and then it and then they did the recount and what you're, bush you're talking about the 2000 election and, and then it came down to florida right i thought so yeah yeah where mm -hmm. we thought that um we had we thought we had a different president for i think it was like 30 days or something yeah. like that well we didn't think that al gore had won oh it was yeah. gore not Kerry. we yeah. did think that yeah yeah people thought gore had won for 30 something days and then it came right down to it and it i didn't remember so that gross. part mm -hmm. yeah interesting i think that's where the florida man joke started <laughs> yeah no that makes sense no, I think he's won, though, um, outright. The the crazy thing, again, I think we talked about this last week, but like 150 million Amer Americans voted, which is yeah. awesome. Right. And the crazy part is that Biden won with 75 million votes, but Trump got 71 crazy. million votes. Right. Like he got 10 million more than the last time. Mm -hmm. And to circle back on something that some people have gotten mad at me for, the exit interview polls, all of that, he did gain with African-Americans oh, yeah. and Hispanics and all the different minority groups. I saw that, too, after we had talked about it. He had like 35 percent Latino vote or something crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. Voter turnout was crazy for both candidates. Mm -hmm. And it's been good. I, I haven't seen any violence myself. It seems like all the boarded up windows were for not, which is telling. You know, it is the left that does all that mm -hmm. currently. Um, the weird thing about the Republicans and Trump is that if they ever really came out to play, we'd all be dead. You know what I mean? Because they're armed. They're armed to the teeth. Yeah, that's fair. So it's not a trash can through your business. It's a bullet through your head. This and is they, what this is what concerns me about the new app I've seen floating around lately, Parlor. What is that? What's that? Oh, it wow. Um, so. <laughs> Whoa, am I the only early adopter? That was so snooty. That was so VC vest moment. <laughs> Tell us about the new tech. Yeah, I'm birds in my patagonia on all right go, go ahead kara swisher <laughs> so i'm i'm not on it just i've a brief overview is it is a an, an app that is supposed to be I, I guess it functions like an uncensored twitter and there has been everybody in my feed so i'm from a rural community very rural community mm -hmm. and uh, they're almost all like 98 percent conservative they're great people but they're super conservative <laughs> and everybody in that section of my life has been posting about this parlor app this week. It is, I guess they had such a, um, they had such an influx of users that it completely crashed and it's been up for several years and it crashed it. Okay. So when you're saying, um, like an uncensored Twitter, are, uh, Twitter has now become, I guess, censored because it's putting like a warning before misinformation or what they view as, or, or just deleting it <laughs> or, or deleting it. Um, and so people are coming on here and just saying whatever they want or yeah like and it um, sounds like the new 4chan or something yeah well that's my concern is that you end up with an echo chamber type situation where there's nobody there to check it and i'm not saying there's that's necessarily a thing that's a problem on the right that's a problem for any situation if you're in an echo chamber that's a problem and so uh you know like you mentioned if you got a group of people in there that started getting radicalized and there's no way to check that then you could end up with a tragedy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that we haven't seen the last of everything. Um, I mean, Trump is still tweeting that he like won and, you know. Uh, Going to have to get taken out kicking and screaming. I don't know. Like, I've always been the the Trump apologist on this show. Like, you know, like I, I will take that mantle. But 
and I've always been fine with some of the things that he said, or I'm like, why not? But this seems wholly irresponsible to continue feeding the flames of, you know, voter fraud mm -hmm. and just a, a distrust in the integrity of our elections, because I feel like even if, if he was going to win, even with a nail biter, we would have known that he would have won, you know, like the vote count would have come in. It would have been overwhelming or enough of an edge. You know, I just don't think it's enough. He didn't win, you know? Yeah. And I just, even if he could get it through on a technicality, I don't think it's worth it at this point. And I actually think that we're going to be just fine because everything worked out perfect when you think about it, because Biden is president. He's never going to come out and say anything. You know, it's just going to be a Democrat in the in the White House, but it's going to be like a Senate majority right. for Republicans. So nothing is going to change except by executive order. So Wall Street's going to be fine. The market's going to be fine because nothing will happen over the next four years. Yeah. Yeah, I'm cool with that. It's going to be boring. We're going to miss it. I'm just telling you, we're going to oh, miss no, all the winning. No, he's no. not going anywhere. He'll be all over Twitter. Well, and he's probably going to like what own like the new ne new news network or he's already been yeah. rumored to talk about 2024. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy. I'm like, you and Kanye just go to Wyoming <laughs> together. There's a nice quarry yeah. for both of you. <laughs> like start a new season of The Apprentice. Uh, yeah. Have Kanye on it and call it a day. Yeah. Kanye versus Amorosa. It's um, yeah. But for me, it was over on Saturday. Okay. You know, I watched Kamala's speech and shed a tear. It was a pretty historic moment. Um, pretty moving. Yeah, I thought so too. Um, just crazy to, it's crazy to see the new wave of power just come up. You know, like one moment she was accusing him of racism on a debate stage, and <laughs> the next moment the polar data is coming back, and they're like, you know what? Harris 2024 looks good, Joe. You know, we need this. And he's, meanwhile, they're banning Warren and Sanders from the cabinet and talking about appointing Republicans like Jeff Flake and uh, John Kasich. Yes. So total middle centrist, Wall Street friendly, almost Republican Democrats that are socially liberal. So everything's perfect in some ways. It's all going to work out. I'm, I'm actually really cool with that. I feel I feel like there's a slight facetiousness in what you're saying because or are you? I don't even know. Like I'm yeah. just it's going to be fine. I mean, I I'm glad that the I'll be honest that I'm glad that the Democrats don't have the advantage in both houses of Congress and the, the Yeah, no, I agree. I I I prefer whenever there's a balance between um between the seat and who the whoever the party is that's holds the presidential spot. I'll be honest, all I cared about with the results and all of this was like, could we not have bloodshed? Could COVID be over? Could we get a vaccine? Mm -hmm. And could the market not be affected? The, like, just the market. Yeah, vaccine by April. Yeah. I mean, Trump got so screwed on that news story because Pfizer knew that it was testing at 90%. Mm -hmm. He knew it was testing at 90%. Everybody at a certain level knew that. And they sat on that story. And then the Monday after the election result comes in. So yeah. the, the day the market opens, over 90% effective, it's going to ship by the end of the year. So he wasn't lying. Even Pfizer got caught lying in that situation. Because Veep Pence tweeted out, like, thanks to President Trump doing this public-private partnership, like, we're going to get a vaccine just on schedule. And then Pfizer came out and said, yeah, no, like, we didn't work with them. And then they did have public funding and research and everything that went into the 
development of this drug. So it's like you had, anyway, just conflation on top of conflation, people like divorcing themselves from certain things. And then it's like, no, you are involved with that. You know, yeah. I don't know. I feel like that was a, they totally got that one over on him, you know? Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was waiting for Heston to chime in. Well, I'm just thinking about like all the different technicalities that they're probably playing back and forth there. It's just, it's just kind of petty. Like we oh, need it. We need 100%. a vaccine. I don't care who's in the office. Right. Um, and they're just they're just playing cheap games. It seems. It just the the media monster, the media machine. If it's working for you, it doesn't matter what's true. It doesn't matter what you've done or what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But if the media machine is against you and it's feeding social media, you're done. And it's just so wild to see how if that story had come out, it's like when Comey came out against Hillary with the email scandal in October. Those things, when the media acknowledges it and covers it, you know, they can be they can alter the course of events. But isn't like I find it crazy that knowing all of that and knowing that social media helps uh win this election for biden like i feel like all trump had to do was show a little bit of humanity or humility and you know admit some wrongs and then keep it pushing and he would have won the election like it would have been that simple for him um so i agree that you know biden won because of all this but i felt like it it could have just as easily been won by trump had he played the game absolutely It, it was definitely trump's to lose yeah well, maybe in some way, like I think he lost with that first debate performance because one of the key groups that did not come through for him like last time were white men. And what did I say to you on the podcast after that first debate? I said he did the cardinal rule. The only thing that could piss off Republican white men, which is to be annoying. Yeah. And he lost. He lost white men. They did not show up for him like they did in 2016. Biden got a lot of those votes mm-hmm. or there was just vote or sit out yeah yeah sealed the deal because he did he was he uh, he was toned down the next two debates but well he was wasn't there just one one after that no, oh was, well there, then there was well yes one in person yeah, yeah. okay anyway. what do you guys think about these drive-thrus where everybody has to honk instead of clap it's <laughs> 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 the weirdest thing uh, wait like the, what well, even at the uh, acceptance, like celebration of uh, the presidency, mm-hmm. everyone's honking instead yeah. of clapping because they're out in their cars. You know, it's like a COVID, COVID-proof gathering. Right. Um, winter is coming. Yeah. People have been eating outside of places, you know, restaurants and everything, and that's kind of how they've been getting around, um, being able to have people at their establishment being able to distance people, you know, they have patios and different things like that. Now that it's getting colder, places are putting like domes up. And so you're not eating inside, but you're eating inside. I, I just find that very strange is like, we, we might as well have just all gone into the restaurant, right? As long as the inside is outside, you're good. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Uh, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm like a meeting out in a dome inside right. out. You're not inside, but you're inside. Okay, I'm not inside, but I'm inside. Wait, you really are lost. Yeah, Ben. <laughs> oh, okay. So I don't. I'm, estab- I'm not aware of what estab- you're talking about. Establishes are now placing outside of their restaurant 
like domes or makeshift areas for people to eat <laughs> that are encapsulated. Oh, weird. That's like what I'm tent. saying. It's just a large tent, like like the like the big tent we had at Dino Dig, but with windows. <laughs> yeah, 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 and servers and <laughs> right, and so actual plates and forks. So customers are going to be eating in these places during winter, but not being able to eat inside the establishment. So it's going to be like, meet me at Sam's Steakhouse, but about 100 yards from there in the fifth <laughs> dome from the left next to the porta potty. Right. But hold on 10 minutes because they're having to wipe it down. You know, I've got reservations at structure number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just think that's very strange. Like the the ways in which you're trying to appease people, um, but then it being 0% effective. That winter is coming thing is for real, though. We're like spiking all time high. Uh, infection rates like we're like yeah. at a hundred thousand oh, a day uh breaking news today's must heard um <laughs> texas is the first state to report a million covid cases we Woo! did it guys <laughs> we did it a million guys <laughs> couldn't have done it without you done but everything <laughs> is bigger in texas baby heck yeah 10th largest economy in the world mm. number one in covid loving it that's what i'm talking about Shout out to Harris County for holding us down on that. <laughs> Screw you, Houston. <laughs> oh. Any any take on COVID? Is it just so played out at this point? Oh, it's it's so played out. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I think we just handled politics and COVID. So yeah, we solved it, man. We'll catch y'all up next week. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk to Heston about. Do you want to get into what what's NDA protected among your portfolio? We can talk about the one thing, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's some parts of all of them that are NDA protected. <laughs> and those parts we won't discuss, but the rest of it, yeah, let's go. All right, I'll, I'll just lead along this path, and you can divulge whatever you want. Okay. But um, we've talked about Flybox on the show before. Yeah, yeah. How's that going? <laughs> yeah, it's going great. It is. Uh, we secured funding um, a couple weeks ago. That's that's the real nice. prim 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 moment right there, Biran. Yeah. Secured funding. Yes. Yep. We uh, got that deal closed. Our uh, engineer, Spencer, has been doing some incredible work. Uh, the software, the platform is now hardware agnostic, uh, which means it'll run basically on any hardware in any school uh, in the U.S. And I mean, realistically, it'll run pretty much anywhere in the world. But we're focusing on U.S. markets right now for, um, I don't know, for ease of access. So that that's like a preview of the update on the business Will you go back to square one with us and just give us the what? What is the big market problem that you're addressing? What's going on here? Yeah, so I think about school communications. Okay, um, there's really two different ends of that spectrum, and um, on one end of the spectrum, you have really inexpensive platforms like Remind 101 and stuff like that, where it's just message distribution. It's just very simple. Like somebody can type out a message, hit send, and it goes to everybody on the list. Mm -hmm. On the other end of the platform, you have other companies that require an installed application and GPS permissions in order to give them some sort of uh, geographic relevance to understand who needs to receive a message and where they might be. Um, and then there's nothing in the middle. There's nothing in between. So if you want geographic relevance, then that completely eliminates the message, the pure message distribution side, and you have to go with an application. The problem with that is whenever you ask a high school student to tell their teacher, their, their uh, school administration, where they're at 24 hours a day, technically speaking, uh, by giving GPS permission in an app, you, it's not going to happen, right? I mean, would you want to give your principal that kind of information when you're a high school student? No, no, no. It, could you have the right. option, like, allow while I'm, 
I guess yeah. they wouldn't be using the app, you, though. Right. I mean, yeah. You could also just put on airplane mode, and then they can't track you, right? Yeah. So, so, what, what, so what you have is foolproof because keep going. Right. So, so um, anyway, the, what they end up with with these app-based um, systems is very low user adoption. Almost nobody actually will use the app for its intended purpose. And there's nothing in between except Flybox. So Flybox gives you that usable, um, it gives you that context. You understand where people are on the campus at any given time and how to communicate with them. But we do that without installed applications and without GPS and the permissions, I mean, the, uh, the messages come through your existing text messaging application. Okay, so we're not competing with any apps on the front end. Wow. Dude, I never understood it like that until this moment. Like, I I feel like you've always pitched me this based on like what it does, not like, I think starting with the big market problem is so illuminating for me because it's so true. Like any app that you download, like mm -hmm. I always say allow while oh, I'm using think. the app, but that relies on me using the app. You right. know, like I'm not going to get into the Chipotle app unless I need Chipotle. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to know where I am. Yeah. But nobody's going to opt into that and nobody's right. going to be active. Like, what would you have to put in the app for high schoolers or, you know, people to access? You'd have to put parlor in it or something, <laughs> you know, like, and so this is the foolproof, reliable system to not only it, it's the installation piece. That's the whole like ability to track, monitor and communicate without any action on the part of the student, essentially. Yeah, almost no action on the part of the student, and it also... Maintains their privacy. Yeah, it maintains their privacy, um, and in the event that you have power outage at the school, um, in the event that you have a power outage at the school, uh, the communication still exists because you have last known locations mm. uh, logged within our system, which is off-site, and you still have the ability to send that message through SMS. How often do those last known uh, locations re-up? Like, is it by the minute? Or, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question. That's some stuff that we're working on. There's some really cool stuff that we can do with AI there to uh, to look at those last known locations in a live type setting, sweet, and and make some judgment calls on uh, like if you imagine a school of fish, for example, mm -hmm. um, if a predator shows up, you'll see a shock in that school of fish. They'll go from from doing just regular swimming around fish stuff to <laughs> running away, right? Yeah, and so people will do the same thing. So if a predator shows up and you can you can see those last known locations have a shock, mm -hmm. then you can make them make some assumptions such as maybe they're moving away from something that needs to be investigated. Yeah. And then if you know where the, the the security officer is and the nearest teachers or whatever who can actually investigate that, then mm -hmm. you can immediately dispatch them. That's that's amazing. Yeah. It, I mean, it's almost a no lag system. Yeah. And I'm sure like you can check the rate or the speed in which they're moving away from that area. And so if you do happen to like lose their location, I, I, I don't know. I still feel like that's really beneficial to know how quickly they're moving. Like, are they in a car? Are they on foot? Um, I feel like you could go that route too. Like in yeah, order so, to find somebody. So there's, um, this is something that's, uh, that's really interesting is the system only works on the school campus. So if somebody gets in a car and leaves, like, oh, okay. this, like nobody has any way to know where that person's mm -hmm. at. So that's part of the security part yeah. of it. Like with the GPS app, you go like you make a fake ID and you go to the club Friday night or something. Mm -hmm. Technically speaking, somebody at that uh, app headquarters, maybe the principal mm -hmm. or whatever at the school, 
could possibly conceivably know where you're at. Right. And whether or not that actually occurs is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. The fact that it could occur is important. And with, with Flybox, that's not even a physical possibility. Right. So it only works on the school campus. Okay. But to get to your question, seeing um, how far away or how fast people are yeah. moving, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. But even if you have like a, a power outage and a building collapse, mm -hmm. simply knowing where they were last is much better for yeah. first responders search and rescue um, than not having any idea where oh, people were. Totally, because then that's they can amazing. go get those yeah. phones. <laughs> um, wow. You sure this go-to-market is for, it should be like geonetmywife.com, you know? Like, <laughs> let me know if she breaks this perimeter and send her an angry emoji. <laughs> I'm playing. Keeping students safe. So, I mean, obviously keeping students safe, being able to like proactively message them based on last known location mm -hmm. any other i guess uh typical use cases that you're intending on seeing or that you're like i know you have like loi partners that already you know beta testing the software and doing all of this so any of those early use cases that you can comment on um so uh there are so it's not i think we've talked about uh, several emergency uh, situations here, mm -hmm. but it's not strictly for emergencies. So you can use it in any type of use case. So you have a non-emergency announcement that you want to send only to the high school campus. So you select all the buildings on the high school campus, type in a special message that, that I don't know, maybe like the pep rally or something has been moved from 2.15 to 2.30 or something, you know, yeah. and then you just hit send and it automatically parses through the data to understand who is where and sends them that message. Does this have any implications for truancy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have... Uh, it, it seems almost as valuable to know who's on <laughs> campus as who's not. Right. Yeah. If so, you have a math... Yeah. Do schools have a master list of cell phone numbers for their students, I'm assuming? No. No, typically not. So, wait. You're providing them that data, too? Depends. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you mentioned truancy. Um, yeah. There's actually something that's that's kind of the inverse of that. Uh, so truancy is obviously where you need students to be coming to school and they're not. What happens whenever you have a student who you don't want to be coming to school, but he is? So Always a he. That, well, <laughs> historically speaking. Anyway. Um, He's probably white, too. <laughs> keep going. So schools right now don't really have a good way to understand uh, tailgating, which is where um, maybe you have a suspended student for some reason. He shows up. He's hanging out with his friends in the parking lot or something at lunch. And then they don't know that he's not supposed to be on campus, uh, but he's got some sort of a plan, right? Whenever all those students go through that badged door, they're, they're not gonna close it and have every single student badge in. They're all just gonna go in as a group. That's tailgating. And if that's a person, if there's a person who's tailgating, who's been suspended and or otherwise told to not be on campus, mm -hmm. then he would walk right through there. And who knows how long it would be before that was noticed. What percentage of school shooters are already suspended or have been suspended? I have no idea. I should go I mean, to the marketing that's, deck. Be that's like, a good question. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've always, we've talked about this prior, right? And yeah. I've always been, I mean, I'm like the doom and gloom person. Like, let's do a big ad buy on Fox <laughs> News and be like, prevent school shootings with safe student, you know, and I'm all hokey with it. But um, that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then whenever you really start thinking about the possibilities there, it, it, the list just grows. COVID-19 contact tracing. We can do that. Just like throw it in just because that's something that you need right now. Mm-hmm. And so we just throw it in. It doesn't even cost anything. So you're providing the data, you're providing the lens through which to view the data and the ability to message the data participants dynamically based on location at the time of. Yeah. Correct. Oh, man. The future is now. That's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, just again, understanding that there is no infrastructure to do this and you've got it set up like because you can basically press a button for a school and it's like set up same day, right? Yeah, basically. I mean, it is a software uh, installation. So there are a few little things uh, that we would have to verify with the school and other like um, understanding where each access point is. But with a little bit of work, that's done. And then it's a software implementation. It'd be very quick. Interesting. Dang, dude. Well, congrats on the funding. That's like, yeah, thank yeah you. that's amazing. I feel like that's a feather in every entrepreneur's cap when they get that, you know, first check into a new entity like that. That's pretty crazy. Absolutely. Like you've effectively sold the idea to somebody that that's ideas for a living. Right. And yeah. sizes and you up at the same time. Yeah. And there's some significant institutional interest out there as well. So really? we have to uh, check a few more boxes and then, and then, uh, yeah, we'll be really off to the races at that point. Jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> Institutional money. Deal. Well, it's like it's such a big total addressable market. Um because I I feel like there could be implications for uh venues, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So we've we spent a lot of time talking about schools and, and the reason for that is I, I whenever you see one of these tragedies happen on a school campus, it affects everybody. It breaks everybody's heart, right? Mm-hmm. That's a soft target and we want to do something about that. So we've chosen schools um, because that's just going to be our Normandy. That's that's the first place where we're going to land and do make a major impact. Right. Um, but but for high rises, campuses, shopping malls, stadiums, anything where um, you have a significant like a large structure and a lot of people flowing through it. Wow. Could you target people in a grocery aisle based on their location to the ragu sauce and time them with a SMS based promotional offer? It's not going to be that uh, that precise just because of the way those grocery stores are typically constructed. Um, so un- unfortunately not at this time, but that's a possibility for future. I, I would feel like for people to remain. So could they text stop to quit receiving notifications? No, they're stuck for life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so it, one of the things that we have to talk about with, with any potential client, the client being the ISD or the, the school district, that is, mm-hmm. um, is user fatigue. You don't want to be wearing, wearing kids out because, uh, you know, we all, we, we've talked about Southwestern's emails and mm-hmm. other types of campaigns and stuff. And if you send out too much non-relevant stuff, then you wear them out and they just, they turn it off. They, they block that phone number, email address or whatever it is, and send it straight to junk. Um, so you have to be careful not to wear them out but that gets back to um increased relevance for the receiver right because i'm thinking like if i did my grocery store scenario i would opt out immediately and be like man this was this was kind of janky and like a low rent experience like <laughs> yeah. i can't believe they're doing this but if it's like hey look to your right somebody's shooting you know <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be like okay i'm gonna remain opted <laughs> yeah, into this one gonna well, text, stop i'm on like that. stop yeah. shooting <laughs> <laughs> Help me, Flybox. <laughs> and a laser blaster popped out of the wall. Yeah. It's like the one kid that did text stop. 
and doesn't get the warning. <laughs> Dude, that's in the marketing campaign too. It's like, uh, one user opted out. Like, he's no longer with us. Oh. <laughs> uh, I love a good mass shooting joke. Um, Dave Chappelle offered a couple of those over the weekend. Man, didn't he? Did you catch that? I did. The monologue? Did you catch his SNL monologue? Yes. Was that not awkward for he's, moments? He's, he's got to be, like, that's his tradition now, right? Well, that's two in a row after um, the next president's yeah, yeah. You know, been voted in. Well, and he was at such a disadvantage because... I feel like they, when they announced Biden and Kamala on Saturday, you know everything was getting rewritten for mm-hmm. that night. And I didn't think it was a strong episode. Nah. I thought that there was maybe one or two skits that were kind of funny. Uh, when he played the newscaster, that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I thought his monologue at different points was funny, but um, he's changing too. A little bit. I don't know. He <laughs> offers a really real perspective on things, but and the crowd was just not working with him at all. No. Yeah, um, Bill Burr got I, more. I in. liked it. Yeah, but, I liked it too. Yeah, sixteen-minute monologue mm-hmm. that never happens. No. He delivered some some heavy hitters for sure. Yeah, he basically said for those listening that haven't watched that um, he was like, before COVID, I don't know if y'all remember this, but there was a mass, mass shooting, shooting every week. Uh huh. And he's like, like uh, thank, thank God, God for, for COVID. COVID. Yeah, that's two heavy hitting comedians back to back saying good for covid wipe out your family or wipe out mass shooting yeah and bill burr got away with more in my mm-hmm. opinion yeah probably had more time to to write that, that script in some ways but yeah i saw people complaining that he was smoking on stage during I mean, covid he talks about that um in the that award show which one was it the mark twain yeah the kennedy center yeah um uh, he makes a he makes a reference to that, and he was basically saying like, yeah, once you made it, you know, th- this is just a status. Like, not everybody can can light up on the on the stage, but I can. When it's it's like coded into the city ordinances that performers can smoke typically, so yeah. that's typically how they get around that. But anyway, I digress. That's not a real tangent. I want to go down. No. I I kind of cut you off. Um, so first check in the bank, investor, um, institutional money on the way. LOIs and fresh deployed customers, ISDs. You've got a beautiful dashboard for tracking and communicating. Yes. Uh, so, great engineer on yeah, board. Yeah, the the engineer Spencer. He um, he's a very young guy. He's actually just preparing to graduate college right now. Um, and he himself has actually gone through one of these situations. Thank goodness it wasn't an actual shooter. But but uh, one day he was on campus and got a notification that there was some sort of a a situation going on. And, you know, whenever you're in that and you have no context, there's no more information that comes with it. Can you imagine the stress and anxiety that would go with that? Like, do I get in my car and leave? Do I go back to my room? Is Is there somebody in my room? Like, what do you do? And so him experiencing that has really informed some of the design decisions um, in the engineering that's gone into Flybox. Interesting. What should uh, what should listeners do if they're involved with the school? Or I know that you guys have had conversations, right, Brian? Yeah, and I sent it to my principal. His wife got COVID, so then he had to quarantine, and then now we're all quarantined. And so I haven't really heard back from him. I, I get we're not worried about 
that at the moment because nobody's at the school. So I'm, I'm hoping once things die down, I can revisit that conversation with them because I think it's a great sure. product. Well, tell um, them it's free for spring semester. Okay. Yeah, Definitely. 100%. No strings attached. It's yours. Yeah. Okay. But um, to answer your question, Carson, if people are uh, affiliated with a school, uh, education institution, could be a university, um, community college, high school, um, the ESC system, whatever it may be, anywhere in the United States, they can send me an email. That's heston at flybox.io, H-E-S-T-O-N at F-L-Y-B-O-X dot I-O. Okay. Do you have a who, – who buys this at the uh... – that district level or the ISD level? Is so, there a department that kind of shows initial interest? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, so the CTOs or somebody who's in, fulfills that role um, is is often the first point of contact. Sometimes it, it can flow from the top down. Um, somebody at the, on the board might see it and pass it down. Um, but, but who buys it really depends on the size of the school because it's priced per student per year. And, um, you know, the larger the school, then the larger the price tag, obviously. Well, and the more departments I would think that would specialize in niche things for the district. So, I mean, at the largest, you got to think in New York City, there's like a, the safety and security team or something, you know, cyber right. as well as physical, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like at your school, if principal man doesn't say yay or nay, right. nothing happens. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? Because it's more right. technically you're not you're not Normandy. In, in terms of go to market, you're going to be an awesome case study and contribute to a top line marketing number, I would think. Um, but you're probably going after large ISDs and based on the business model. And not always, not necessarily. I've I've uh, spoken to ISDs ranging from seventy two thousand enrolled to less than a thousand from K to twelve. So it's all over the map. Um, you know, there's students at all of these schools, and ultimately, that's our goal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a, a school like Brad's would be perfect. We'd be happy to work with them. Um, a school with 72,000, great. Happy to work with them. It's okay. a software. It works everywhere. Yeah. I got kids that are always trying to leave campus, walk over to Sonic, you know, got to know, got to know if they're not there anymore or like, so even if <laughs> <laughs> they just get a text, like bring me back in McFlurry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're not at McDonald's, bro. <laughs> yeah. um, That's cool though that y'all are able to network on that, and I always love seeing the intersection of like my world with your world, and you know, technology, startups, school boards. Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just laughing the McFlurry thing. <laughs> All right, yeah. thank you. Uh-huh. You weren't gonna give me that. Give me that <laughs> satisfaction. satisfaction. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I'll get it elsewhere. You got it now, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's up next on your list? Let's go back to your talking points. Uh, let's see. What do I got here? I didn't come with nothing. Shout out Texas for state. We did that. <laughs> oh, I have to tell you this crazy oh. story. I went and got a, my hair trimmed last week after our episode, I think on Thursday or Friday. And... Um, you know, this was a week after Halloween had happened. So my, my barber, she's talking with me. She's like, Oh yeah. What'd you do for Halloween? I'm like, Oh, I dressed up, you know, showed her the picture where I was the only one who oh, dressed yeah. up, all that. And I was like, what'd you do? She's like, I went ghost hunting. And I said, oh. I said, Oh, what does that entail? And she said, Oh, well, um, you know, we paid this tour guide to take us to this haunted house. 
and uh, we hu- we hunted ghosts. And you know, it was my first time. Um, I had just broken up with my fiance, and I was there with my new boyfriend. Um, she started dating this guy a week after. She's given me a lot of information. While, yeah, while I'm, I'm like cutting my hair. I'm like, I'm like, know, wait, which part was hair trim? Like, it wasn't intricate. <laughs> I was in and out in like 20 minutes, and she's Save this sharing for a shampoo. She's sharing her, like her life story. It was insane. Um, yeah, she's like, you know, I broke up with my fiance, and I'm dating my best friend's cousin now. Um, and wait, her best friend's cousin? Yeah. Okay. A week, a week after breaking off the engagement. How long were they together? <laughs> um, I think like a year and a half or something. I don't know. All right. That was not the most interesting part of the story to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, this is already very interesting she, to me. Yeah. She, so they're, um, they're ghost hunting with friends and her boyfriend. And this is her first time going. And she starts feeling this overwhelming uneasiness. And um, the, the guide is like, I, I think a ghost is trying to communicate with you. <laughs> okay. And no, no, but you don't understand because the, the barber is be- like, as she's telling me, like she believes she that has all this scissors to my head. <laughs> she's saying this, like she's she wholeheartedly believes that this is what is happening. As she's telling me the story, like she's recounting and believes that there was an actual ghost there that was haunting and and trying to get a hold of them. So. She's like, everybody had to sit me down and um, they gave her something to eat, like a Snickers or something. I don't know. And she started feeling better. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet she did. <laughs> and um, and she's like, yeah, so, you know, I can't wait to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's like, it was really harrowing, but like really cool. And, you know, she's like, I don't know if you believe in the supernatural, but uh, I do. And I don't know. It was it was insane. Like, I just didn't expect to hear that whenever I'm just trying to get, like, you know, the number three clippers. And you're like, girl, we're at Fantastic Sam's right now. It was the only person that got out of that situation was was the the ex fiance. Because good good on you, buddy. Yeah. Because this this chick sounds cray. Yeah. Yeah. And she she still have her new boyfriend. Yeah. And she was already talking about marriage and they've only dated, been dating for a week. Because, you know, I, I was talking about Courtney and everything, and, you know, we've been dating a little longer, and uh, everything. She's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, was talking to him about um, where I want to get married and how many kids I want and everything. How many it, kids I yeah, want? There, there were layers, man. There were layers to this conversation. What a there, basic a chick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, so we went to the haunted house, so it's getting pretty serious, and I told him I want five babies, and yeah. it's like, I wonder why the last guy left ghost hunting man that's so concerning if you pick up that quick yeah such a red flag to me yeah so i'm not going to be going on fridays around three um anymore i'm going to find a new time to get bro you have to go with a microphone (laughs) (laughs) fridays at three moving forward i want to keep tabs not on the ghost but on this girl's love life i want to see how many guys she goes through in a probably be dating another friend's brother and by next week i don't know She's like, so we went to a seance and then. <laughs> yeah, we played with a Ouija board and I heard from my grandpa. I'm not comfy with any of that. Like, yeah. I've never. I was raised like we did not watch satanic movies. And as a result, it's kind of like we all know that I've, I'm kind of a reformed Adventist, if you will. <laughs> I'm a Badventist, as they would recovered. call it. Yeah, daddy. Uh, yeah, recovered Adventist. Um, daddy Addy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm a recovering Protestant. But the. 
the same way that I was raised to not eat certain unclean meats, now I just can't get my head around it. Yeah. Same thing with satanic content. Right. I'm not able to watch all these doll movies where the ghosts are coming out of the closets and or it just doesn't sit well or interest me. Can't watch mm-hmm. Jay-Z music videos. I can watch those. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Those are fine. No, I'm with you on that. Like yeah, all the scary same. movies and stuff that come out around Halloween. Mm-hmm. No, don't need any of that. And some people just, they exclusively they love, love those movies. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. When the new Satan horror movie comes out, they're all about it. It's To me, it's like a dark sign almost. Like I, I can yeah. do thrillers and yeah. those kind of things, but the the supernatural type stuff, like, leave me out of it. Yep. Nope. If it could be natural phenomena or mm-hmm. it's so like weird. Volcanoes? <laughs> yeah. natural phenomena you yeah, talking about? i don't know man <laughs> casper the friendly ghost <laughs> okay <laughs> so many so many jokes i want to make right now but anyway uh but if it involves it's one of those things where like get out awesome movie mm-hmm. suspenseful very hitchcock like like what's yeah. around the corner but psychological the minute it gets into complete supernatural i'm suddenly like not okay with it Right. Just from even a storyline narrative, like I, I can't, it's like, oh, I want to see something that could actually happen for unexplained reasons, not because like Casper was out there. Got it. Right. You yeah. know, yeah. I'm with you with you on that. So, okay. So that was your afternoon in the barber chair. Basically. Yeah, man. That was, <laughs> I've been holding on to that story for a week. <laughs> it's, it's been crazy. Wow. So this is not your typical girl. No. Okay. I, unfortunately I yeah um all i know is that as like as i'm walking out i'm writing that into my notes to tell today but um yeah that that was my main life story for the week <laughs> <laughs> just one <laughs> you're still distanced at school though right are you coming yeah. out of that two-week hiatus um so we have two teachers that also have COVID, and so we're supposed to be coming back on Monday, but it's really going to be like this fluid thing where we, we probably won't know till Friday, Sunday. Um, and we'll just have to play it by ear because if we don't have teachers that are going to be in the classroom, what's the point of bringing all the kids there? Um, cause they're still like, it's not like we're getting subs. They're still teaching from home. Um, just quarantine. So it's just something that we got to figure out. We had a staff meeting day today to talk about it, but it kind of went nowhere. Um, Everybody was asked whether or not we wanted to be on campus or not. Nobody really wanted to chime in. I know I didn't. Like, I don't want to be the deciding factor on this. I feel feel like it shouldn't be my call. So, I don't know. I don't mind. Like, I don't have Wi-Fi at the house anyway, so I'm up in the classroom no matter what. Yeah, you're like, makes no difference to me. Right. I feel like uh, student shift enforcement with COVID tracing and... I've heard of scenarios both in the workplace and at school where it's like half on half off or they'll split up shifts so that if like credit unions, all of these people, they're on these weird skeleton shifts that switch over. Mm -hmm. I feel like Flybox could have implications with that as well. Um, Trying to follow. What do you mean? Well, just like understanding, hey, we've exceeded maximum capacity for COVID social distancing standards on this particular campus or work building or. Yeah, so you could so you know um, approximately what the density is, the population density within a given area, and have a flag. Yeah, yeah, doable. I guess you could because you don't have a, a master bank of numbers that you're checking against. Was one of your main points earlier, right? Right. Or ha- once you attain the student's phone number, are you like, does that then remain in a table for the administrator to be able to see? Like, can I do roll call versus 
the available signals in that network. Well, the the so the phone numbers aren't necessarily available to um, to an administrator. Um, that's just kind of a, a security um, and privacy sort of thing. Like you don't need to know the student's number. There's no reason for an administrator to need to know or want to know a student's number, right? You just want to have the ability to reach that student if they need to know something right now. Mm-hmm. And so all that's stored, encrypted on a back end offsite. So Flybox knows, but the admin doesn't. Well, I mean, I like. If I wanted to, I couldn't even go in and look at the numbers. Right. Yeah. You've set it up to where, okay, I see what you're saying. Interesting. So maybe my use case is not as valid then. Well, no, it is because, um, you know, like I said, if you understand what um, density, population density you can have within a given area, knowing how much space is in there, then you could simply set limit flags. Mm-hmm. Got it. So just send a notification to admin, whoever that may be. When people scatter rapidly in a certain situation, does that set an immediate flag where you could notify first responder authorities like immediately and all of that? Yeah, that's that's going to be version 2.0. Okay, uh, but that's that's very much in the works um, because nice. you know those those moments in the first first few uh, seconds of an emergency like that um, are some of the most critical. And if you can get if you can get first responders in there and interrupt whatever's happening, um, and also start implementing whatever protocols already exist, if you can do those things more quickly, just a few seconds faster, and you can close that window, that directly translates to lives. That's crazy. This could be a big thing that you have on your hands. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, absolutely. I mean. Uh, for for a lot of reasons, I mean, there's there's obviously, I mean, it is a business, so there's the obvious um, um, selfish reasons behind wanting your business to succeed, right? But then there's the massive social benefit of mm-hmm. what if what if ten kids get to go home and continue, you know, next year at school because of this, and they wouldn't have otherwise, right. like that, right? Like, That's amazing. How are, how are you gonna how are you gonna top that? Yeah. <sighs> I think we'd raise the price per head, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's just got a lot of storage um, units in that in that building. We got a lot of safe students going on <laughs> around right. here. Yeah. <laughs> That's the top line marketing number, man. Like this many safe students or yeah, communicated with students or just the lens into the you know, the, the ability to communicate and pinpoint for an admin. Um, I'm anxious to watch these use cases kind of uh, unravel. Well, hopefully, in the next in the next few months to a year, we'll have uh, we'll be able to talk much more about use cases in depth. We're we're currently talking with um, with people who oversee about eight hundred thousand students in Texas in aggregate Whoa. from various ISDs and, and entities. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully, over the next 12, 12 months or so, we'll uh, we'll get some better information for you on the next time. <laughs> I'm I'm satisfied on the co- uh, the uh, flybox conversation at yeah. this point. Yeah. If do you have any other nuggets or CTAs for the listener base? I feel like I've always done a butchered job of trying to describe that when we're talking about you on the show. It's it's a difficult thing to discuss. Like you can't put it in an email. It's hard to text about it. Um, the only way you can really do it is is an in depth conversation. So. Well, and your your elevator pitch and your understanding of how you can convey it to lay people like me mm-hmm. that evolves too. That's Absolutely. gotten, that's been iterated on that's its own startup, you know, sure that you're, you're building this lean methodology. Yeah. Iterative process. I mean, whenever we first started talking about this, I didn't even know what it was. It was just kind of 
a thing, an idea that was out there floating around that just takes time to mature. That's crazy. Because it did start as something not completely different, but you took the underlying technology and like you've harnessed it for an addressable market with a real like use case and licensing model. And it's just, it's what it makes so much sense to us here on episode 56. It's like, Oh wow. Everybody needs that. Right. Right. But 18 months ago when we were talking about this, it's like, what is this? You know, it's like you're trying to get out of your own head and just what is this thing that we we've created? Like I know the conversations with you and, um, even Justin back in the day with the underlying technology, it's just come to a totally different spot. Yeah. That absolutely. was an ingredient in the cake. Sure. Yeah. That, that is still getting icing and presentation layer. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like you're, you're peering through a dark doorway and you don't even know <laughs> what's in there. And, and the more, the more you look at it, the more your eyes adjust and you kind of start to, to figure out and focus on what you're actually looking at. That's, an, that's so, incredible. Aside from Flybox, I would be interested to get your perspective on, you shared some on like having listened to the show for a year and all of this, but um, A, did you bring your own topics that you wanted to discuss? And B, is there any like funny story, like <laughs> any moment that you've been driving down the road, just laughed out loud or th- those are the moments that make my day. Cause oh, yeah, I, I got one from checkers this week about yeah. last week when <laughs> I was like, when girls are like, what if I didn't have a face? <laughs> She was like, I was driving to my mom's and I just laughed out loud. Yeah. And when a relevant friend of mine laughs because of something we said, that's love that's it. it. I love that. So I would love to hear yours. Oh, if yeah. The, if there are you know, any. Oh, man. There have been so many times. I, I, it's so rare that an episode goes by where I don't like actually laugh out loud. I'm not talking like texting you, What's LOL. Going? I'm talking like actually laughing out loud. I love Jim wondering what happened. <laughs> yeah i remember you saying that where people like look at you weird <laughs> yeah there have been jokes Almost dropped a weight on my face one <laughs> there have now that i think about it there have been jokes that only you could have gotten sprinkled in throughout certain episodes yeah. that i've even referenced i don't remember what they are but <laughs> only yeah. things you could have gotten we tailor to the audience and specifically to you <laughs> <laughs> well we, we've talked about definitely talked about you a lot on the show but mm-hmm. um yeah any Anything you wanted to uh, add in terms of topic frameworks or just reactions to anything we got way wrong? That's probably the that's better lot, question. Yeah, yeah that, that is a big question. He's like, uh, besides you every like, week. Where do I begin? <laughs> for, so we started episode one? Or yeah. <laughs> He's like, for every laugh, there's like five corrections that I have for you. Well, yeah. but that... That was the interesting part about Michael last Mm -hmm. week. He was on 30 something episodes ago, Mm -hmm. which feels like a lifetime ago. And I didn't even remember that he'd been like COVID. No big deal. That was so funny to like revisit. Right. Yeah. So any opinions that didn't mature well? That that one was (laughs) hilarious uh, because I even remember specifically where I was whenever I heard that part of that episode. And yeah, I was just I was just laughing out loud, partially because of the way Michael was laughing about it, and y'all were busting up. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I genuinely did not remember that at all, and so it, it's just such a moment in time. Yeah, whenever he 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 kind of sets that joke up, and then the punchline is just COVID. <laughs> yeah. So funny. That was good. No, I, you know, I just enjoy. Um, consuming the podcast um obviously if i and a lot of times i'm driving so Mm -hmm. i can't like take a physical note or something i try to remember to text you afterwards but it doesn't always happen so my apologies for that but 
you're always uh for the meaningful stuff like book recommendations and all of that mm -hmm. like i'm always getting a picture from you or my mom or um I, you tagged me in a tweet with austin the other day that i i haven't responded to yet but talking about books that we've shared on the show and books that we've shared in our own personal yeah um walk that i've been trying to get him to read the new unique strategic selling for yeah a minute. That's one that Austin was talking about. And really? Tag. Yeah. So now he'll That's read why it. I tagged him. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, you said any other thoughts, and I was like, no, I was, that was the only thought. <laughs> so that you and Austin could have a conversation. Well, I tweeted him about Appreciate Social the other day, and then I just felt dumb. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to see my demo? <laughs> oh, does cool. he, does he might know? Are you? Do you know who Austin is? Uh, is I know. Austin? I know of him. Okay. Lam Lambda School, Austin. He's like a tech entrepreneur from YC. Yeah, I. I well, w was he a part of your? Uh, you've tweeted him or tweeted yes. about him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, yeah. I told you to mm -hmm. to follow. Yeah, that's right. He's just breaking news every other day. Like, oh yeah, it's insane. What his Twitter is the single yeah. greatest marketing tool that that startup has ever seen. For sure. And they're gonna be. I mean, they're talking about Stripe being the next like uh, Google. Like literally, like PG tweets out, and he's like, based on what I see and just knowing the Collisons, like they're just getting started. Like this is nothing compared to the overall infrastructure that they will power. You know? Yeah. No, there for a second I wasn't quite following, but I completely agree with you. I mean, there is so many. There are so many things that Stripe is doing right now in in places of innovation uh, that they're looking into. That's fascinating. Um, for example, they have a they have a press where they print books, the Stripe Press, oh. and they they have some incredible stuff that comes out. Um, so who would who would have guessed that from a technology company that they're printing and shipping paper books? Mm -hmm. Well, wow. those boys love books, especially oh, Patrick. Yeah. yeah, you've gotten. I have a beautiful book from you, the yeah, uh, Sales and Growth Marketing Handbook. I think it is, um, or it's called High Growth like, Handbook. High Growth Handbook. Yeah, it's like the most beautiful book that I own. Um, it's incredible. It's like all of them are that way. You want to pay respect and read every word on the page because it's almost laid out like a web page in certain ways with the breakouts and like the different interludes and transition sections. It's almost like consuming a blog on paper, like at a very premium level. That's interesting. I, I haven't put that together, <laughs> but yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, so keep going. We were talking about any reactions that you had or topics you wanted to introduce. Oh, um, reactions. I mean, Nothing comes to mind off the top. So, um, but, but I did see something that I thought was kind of funny that y'all get a kick out of if we can revisit politics for just a second. Yeah. Did it. Um, did you see the Missouri, uh, state rep Price Wallace said that we should succeed from the union? Succeed. 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 Just Missouri. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. You know yeah. what? You go on right ahead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There ain't gonna be much succeeding around there, right? Yeah. Whenever you see that, you you pretty much know what's what's on what's happening. Not much. That that like Tea Party grassroots rural part of the country, the party on the right, like people like Representative Jim Jordan. Where I'm like, dude, what is going on? What's happening at Bible study that's making you do this, bro? Yeah. Like, seriously, yeah. Like the God apple pie fetus people, they can be crazy sometimes. Like. They can scare me way more than the far left mm -hmm. at times. Yeah. It's, it's just like lack of like socialization maybe or exposure. Like why does it get blue? 
as the billboards change from abortion to Jose Cuervo. And I don't understand why nobody is reaching across the aisle in earnest to try to understand the other. Like, for example, um, this week, uh, a friend of mine posted something. He said, uh, and this is a very polarizing topic, obviously. He said, don't pretend you care about the kids at the border if you don't care about them in the womb. And I, re- I commented, I said, well, don't pretend that you care about them in the womb if you don't care about them at the border. And, you know, what are you, you going to say? Right. It's like, why aren't we having more meaningful conversations mm-hmm. um, instead of just instead of just sitting in our point uh, fingers? Chamber? Yeah. yeah, it's clout chasing like, you know, half the Republican guy. You Click ever see the, likes you ever see the meme where it's like uh, it, this is about to unleash all the Trump supporters and it's just all the white guys with their <laughs> sunglasses on in their facebook profile picture yeah and then, like the one overweight woman like the karen with like mm-hmm. the american flag cut off or yeah i love that meme but um yeah i think there's a trump guy in rural america that's like you know what this one's funny i bet sheila's gonna like this it's gonna get me some this weekend you know like <laughs> i literally think that's the thought process on both sides sure you yeah. know the woke left and the far right mm-hmm. yeah. but it's concerning yeah, I think people are just regressing as far as their their critical thinking skills go. Succeeding, succeeding is uh, something only Texas could pull off, and we all know it. Um, so don't come at me with that, Missouri. <laughs> That's meth country right there. True. How about um, the Portland City Commissioner pushing to yeah. defund police, <laughs> yeah. calling nine one one over a lift ride? Oh, yeah. I, I took one that. look at that administrator and I was like, yep. <laughs> Sounds about white. <laughs> um, I don't think they were white, though. Let's see. They, it looked to me like that the wokest professor at like George Washington University type status. I just, it's all crazy, right? Yeah. Like, I think that we, we talked about the social dilemma Um several times on the show and Bill Maher, you know, I'm a big fan of real time with Bill Maher on HBO and he had on Tristan, uh, the director, exec producer of that flick, um, this past Friday. And he just very crystallized this topic where we have no shared sense of reality anymore. There is no combined time, uh, time that we all spend in concert with one another where we're presented the same facts in the same chronology. Everything is tailored. And I could be living in the same home as a spouse or a girlfriend or a roommate, some 30-year-old identical cutout, you know, vest-wearing, you know, a-hole white boy that has a completely different feed than me. Right. And just that suspension of a shared reality set that we all share yeah. is, um, that was just highly concerning when you think about it. Definitely. And that's the point that that uh, one doc was kind of getting at too about social media. What was the name of it? That's what I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Social Dilemma. The, oh, yeah. The okay. guy that Sorry. wrote that or yeah, yeah. brought that about mm-hmm. was on Bill Maher. Got it, got it. So I was, I'd already watched it. This was a follow-up, and I was like, oh, this is the guy that did yeah. that. And then he was just breaking it down. That There is no Walter Cronkite where everybody sees it and can agree. Mm-hmm. So that's the most scary part about this election and stuff is that there are legitimately going to be millions of people that don't really buy the legitimacy of either candidate. Yeah. Uh, that the Electoral College pulls the lever for in December. That's scary. Definitely. Because it, it, it goes back to the religious stuff where it's like, what is mine is mine. What is Caesar? What is Caesar's? Like, 
typical Christians will tell you to abide by the law of the land until it diverts from the will of God. Yeah. This is the scary stuff. That's the same thing that Al Qaeda says, you know, yeah. we're not going to kill you until you divert from the will of God. What's to stop Protestants from doing the same in rural America? Yeah. It's happened before. Look at the history between Christians and Muslims. That's that's crazy. Um, I want to make a correction because you're you're right. It was a I got my I got my bits mixed up. Um, the commissioner was a black lady named oh where to go Joanne Hardesty. Um, but I, I got I got two bits from you know one for the left and one for the right because on the right it was the Dean Browning. Did you see that story Mm-mm. where? Um, he's a government official and he accidentally tweeted from his burner account or or, sorry. He thought he was tweeting from his burner account, but he sent it to his main account saying that he was a a gay black man, um, who supports Trump and doesn't agree with Biden and stuff like that. Um, but he accidentally tweeted it from his main account, this white old dude thought that was funny. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So he's a white old dude that came out as a gay black man in support of Trump. Right. So a burner account is basically like an account that where you don't want people to know it's you so you can say whatever you want. Um, And so he's tweeting. He's he thought he was tweeting from his burner account. This is like a state official or or who? um, So this is Dean Browning of Missouri, (laughs) (laughs) um, the Republican Party. Pennsylvania-based Republican who ran for Congress this year and lost in the primary. Um, <clears throat> so he starts off with, um, what Trump built in four years, Biden will destroy in four months. And then somebody else commented. And then underneath that, uh, there's a post that says, I'm a black gay guy, and I can personally say that Obama did nothing for me. My life only changed a little bit, and it was for the worse. Everything is so much better under Trump, though. I feel respected which I never do when Democrats are involved. But he tweeted that from his main account with his <laughs> old white-looking face in the profile picture. Yo, that, that story was good because it kept building on itself. Like he was reply- he was trying to start his own volley. He was Correct. trying to start his own echo chamber. Yes, yes, yes. And So that's, sorry, that's what sounds about white. <laughs> yeah, sounds, well, I guess, was his name Dean Browning? Yes. Dean Browning is a... He really browned. He's transgender and transracial. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> eh. Oh, yeah. So just wanted to provide a little bit from the left and the right. And Dean Browning. Show that there's some goofies out there on both ends. Some goofies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a goofy, all right. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't win re-election. Right. Goodness. Like, when you have time to set up fake egg accounts and then, like, r- tweet yourself back. I mean, it, it goes even further if you want me to go there. Yeah, man. Why are you holding back in the first place? So <laughs> he tweets out, like, Here's a message from the actual. So the fake person is they named him Dan Purdy, right? Um, and he's like, here's a message from Dan Purdy, who has decided to respond to the controversy. Um, he's like, I don't know how it was tweeted from my account or whatever, but this person does exist, right? And so Dan Purdy gets on, and there's like an actual video of him talking, saying like, Hey, no, it was actually me. That there was a mishap. Well, it turns out that this person is not dan purdy it's patty labelle's son the singer what yes uh he's pretending to be dan purdy and gets caught in the like people people know what he looks like so it's not dan purdy it's patty labelle's son (laughs) 
Isn't that isn't that insane, bro? The way that you tell stories is like so. <laughs> you're like, here's a crumb, and here's a crumb, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, where are we going? Ghost hunters, bro. What? Okay. <laughs> For a while there, I was just thinking Dean Browning was putting on heels at night and standing in the full length mirror, like he's so Dan Purdy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they don't appreciate you good. in the GOP party of where was he? BFE, uh, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. There's something about Pennsylvania whites that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> They're just not right, man. I'm just saying, like, I've got some good friends from there in that demo. Mm-hmm. They all live in Baltimore now. <laughs> they crossed that state line. Oh, man. But Wow. Okay. That was this week's must hurt again. Yeah. Okay. It came with it. Goodness. I feel like I have no crazy, yeah, ironic stories. So. But- I heard you mention uh, the name Dean, and it makes me wonder if you have any LinkedIn messages. Dean, I can't check oh, it because my true. phone's off. He's, you know, oh, he's just man. been sending me um, conspiracy theories since the election. <laughs> 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 it's at nine a.m., nine p.m., and um, I feel like he rooted out my political affiliation or something because he just keeps <laughs> sending me all these Fox News links, and I was like, I know Dean, I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, well, he knows I'm I'm not listening. He's so. like consoling me. <laughs> Um, no, he's, a uh, Dean's an interest. Our Dean is an interesting Dean too. He's yeah. not walking around in high heels and posing as anybody other than himself. <laughs> He'll send yeah. stuff to you from his LinkedIn. So you know, That's it's right. him. No burner accounts here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, we, we appreciate what he has to say. Yeah. No, no good. Your mama jokes that I've seen recently, but I haven't, I haven't printed out notes for the show. Um, and I don't change tabs now cause it does that weird scratchy sound that oh, you've probably yeah. heard yeah whenever we mess with the laptop but well, he... dean come on man we need some more uh we need some more of those yo mama jokes on there <laughs> dean's been the source of like so much consistent laughter um oh yeah <laughs> love you dad w- with the content that he presents not not anything else <laughs> no 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 we're no i'm laughing at him <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> i think he should run for <laughs> gop council in oh, tarrant county or whatever Good times, man. Yeah. Well, those are my notes. I, I don't. What else has happened in the last week? Like Pfizer vaccine election. I'm moving. All your stuff going on with bucket chairs and funding and new new clients and yep. you're maybe back to school next week. You'll report back on that then. Will do. What is it? November 11. Yes. Oh, Veterans Day. It is. Today is Armistice Day, Veterans Day. It is. Thank you to the vets. Thank you. Sincerely. Absolutely. Several uh, great friends of mine. I'm sure uh, both of you have good friends Mm -hmm. who have served as well. Um, Sure. Sincere, wholehearted thank you and gratitude to those of you who have made all sorts of sacrifices in the the armed services. Yeah. It's one of the most exciting things about the new administration that could potentially happen is uh, I was hearing Pete Buttigieg for VA. Oh, yeah, which I think would be I think going back to what you were saying about no one's reaching across not only Democrat, Republican, but rural city. Pete is Pete Mm -hmm. is giving a voice to the more liberal yet still Christian heritage rural vote that like he's on a a wavelength that no one else was. Yeah, that's got to be super challenging, but he's he's doing a great job of it. I'm a big fan of Pete Buttigieg, sure. actually. Yeah, um, too. I was down, like, I thought he could have beat Trump convincingly, 
if he were to run in the general election. Um, but you know what? For all the hate, that's what I was saying. I think I was DMing Meredith or something because uh, she was like in shock and I wasn't as shocked because um, I kind of saw this maybe happening. I thought it was Biden's to lose in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was I saying? Pete Buttigieg. Oh, the consolidation of Buttigieg, Klobuchar, everybody behind Biden going into Super Tuesday. We questioned vehemently. That's that's a reaction that I'll take back on ourselves. Like we got that wrong because, you know, we were hard on the Kamala pick. We yeah. were hard on Biden. We were hard on everything, especially me. And it worked yeah. like bottom line. The Democrats handled business. They did not, you know, get a, a surplus yeah. in the House or Senate. They, they failed that miserably and should have won more convincingly. But mission one eight, they accomplished 100 percent. Yeah, true. Good point. Um, I still think the Republicans or the Democrats, if they had just gone with somebody else, like that person on either side would have won by a lot more than, um, what is it, the four million, however many uh, sets Biden and Trump apart. I, I literally think it, either party could have ran with somebody else and that person would have won by a lot more. I think the victory was almost more convincing from an electoral college standpoint than a uh, a popular vote mm-hmm. like it's gonna be funny to watch the democrats get more cozy with the electoral college vote all of a sudden yeah. especially if you know texas is mere months away from being purple blue like yeah. well just uh, like in some of those inroads. in some of those cities what was it uh dallas houston was it houston that was blue or no Oh yeah, okay. Dallas, Houston, Austin, Austin. El Paso, so major cities. Um, even some of the border, like Will Hurd's territory down there. Um, Texas is changing, you know. Yeah. Well, Mainly it's all those. It's all everybody coming here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We have so many transplants from Missouri, mm-hmm. <laughs> New York City, Chicago, Dallas, San Francisco, L.A., yeah, Cali. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, even entire businesses, you know. It kind of makes so something I've kind of been wondering about is how do you rebalance? Like, so speaking of the electoral college, people um, are are justified in their concern that that rural urban is being dominated by the other, and as people continue to move to more urban centers, and that balance continues to shift, um, you know that ends up just going one way, where eventually. Whoever, you know, the people who live in urban centers command the majority of the votes in every state mm-hmm. just because there's so many people there. And so I'm just wondering, how does that play out in the future where everybody who lives in a rural environment basically doesn't really have a say in the Electoral College? How do you rebalance that? Carson. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know that you do. I think yeah. it goes back to that radicalization and... The biggest fear with that man is if we it's hard it's really hard because it's like if you're not gonna take part in the major population centers and or contribute to the burgeoning ones like you know knoxville nashville all of those markets fort worth they're thriving people are moving there all the time sometimes from dallas to fort worth because california people came to dallas or whatever the case may be so i think that there's going to be those smaller markets that are fed and then new markets that emerge like Boise, Idaho, you're going to see also Oklahoma, even more people going yep. to the spots like that. But the concern is, is that 
if if you leave those communities uh, with the factory closed, no apparent legislator in their pocket or advocating their their needs uh, adequately, you're going to see so many more self declared sovereign citizens. You know, like people that are like like Ruby Ridge status. You know, mm. like people that I think that there's just going to be more militias and more self preservation survivalist in time type people and um. But I mean, to, to avoid that, do you rebalance and you give um, more votes to traditionally rural states or different population densities or something like that? And then if that's the case, you know, the conversation's already been had where, you know, why does why does one vote in Wyoming offset five votes in Texas? Hmm. That's a, it's a legitimate question. I, I It's something I've been thinking about and I have no idea where I land on that, but it's out there. Would we rank it by um, economy? Um, no, because I don't, that's not that's not the only way uh, to measure a given economy's value and contribution. Yeah, I'm just thinking a quick look at the leaderboard and okay, Wyoming, you came in with 87 dinosaur bones for 2020, and uh, Texas, you're the tenth largest economy in the world. Yeah. Well, isn't Harris County like the 20 something largest economy in the world? Like, I don't know. You know, again, it's insane. It's not to pinpoint Harris County. Screw Houston. You know, <laughs> not really aware of their GDP output, but um, well, it is. It's huge. They're not sending their best and their brightest to Dallas. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, but then you have whole corporations like uprooting and moving to a specific spot. Leaving the rest of the U.S. Like, I don't know if that works. But like Muni's try to incentivize businesses to come to their region mm -hmm. uh, with tax breaks and incentives and all of this stuff. So like states are somewhat in control of their own destiny in terms of putting that proposal together to entice big business. Like Amazon went on a road show where everybody, everybody was bending over backwards to, you know, show the plot of land and we're not going to tax you and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But the people that don't uproot and don't want to do that, then their vote becomes less valuable, right? In this scenario? Yeah. A hundred percent. But until those people in the current environment, and I don't mean this callously, I mean this very much like scoreboard. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not advocating for anything here. But until those rural people become minorities, nothing's going to happen. Nobody is going to find the political gravitas or cojones to say, you know what? Let's prioritize these red states ahead of these population centers and give them more of a, a weighted vote. Hmm. That's just nobody's going to go out on that limb that has mainstream credibility in the next 10 years. Unless yeah. unless a Pete Buttigieg from the Democratic side in a, a very eloquent way works that way. It has to come from the Democrats. You know, it has to be like a Joe Manchin, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar type initiative that say, you know what? We turn this state blue. We have farmers. We're concerned about inner city education as well as the cost of a pound of soybeans. Mm -hmm. If you get that mix, that might be the saving grace, but it can't yeah. be GOP led. I, I think that's an interesting point. Yeah, that's true. That said, the rookie class of GOP Congress people and people that were voted in, largest batch of Republican women ever. Wow, hmm. awesome. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be an ongoing uh, question, and I think it's just kind of starting to, to pop up on 
on the, I mean, it's definitely just popping up on my, on my radar. I don't know if anybody else is talking about that. I assume so. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that's a thing that, that develops over time. And you mentioned in 10 years, I don't know if it's that soon, but it's going to be a conversation that will be had. Yeah. At a national level. I think 10 years we're up for reevaluation. You know, I, I don't think it will have shifted that dramatically either in that period of time, but maybe the first, maybe the first crazy person that runs for president on an agenda that doesn't get elected, but does shift the narrative in the spectrum. I think maybe if somebody gets on a national stage and starts uh, suggesting that we switch to a pure democracy, that's whenever that conversation may happen as well. Yeah, because that would be dangerous. Exactly. That'd be super dangerous. Yeah. Pure democracy is actually not good in this scenario. Right. It's just it's a beast that eats itself from the inside out. Sounds like we're back in those structures eating <laughs> on the patio or whatever. <laughs> we're outside, but we're inside. <laughs> if you'd follow me outside and then we'll go inside and outside. And, right. Yeah. I, now I want to eat in one of these igloo huts. <laughs> Crazy. All right, boys. We just hit two hours. What Love are y'all thinking? You thinking we should put the wraps on this one? Um, yeah, I want to say one thing. The did you see that golf hit across the water? Yeah, making it into the. I, I loved that golf hit. Right. Yeah. So I need you. I need you to talk more about my. Uh, Thank you. One of my, Thank you. One of my former students, Kaylee Wilson, told me to directly uh, talk to you about that video. Shout out to Kaylee Wilson. Then. Yeah. Yeah. So um, just she's referencing John Rom, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so if you want to get into that real quick. So, a ray of light here in 2020. It's the Masters this weekend in November. So, just in time for my birthday. Incredible. Instead of in April, uh, revised COVID schedule, the Masters, which is arguably my favorite major, my favorite golf tournament, most sports fans, uh, at Storied Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, just the best, like the top 100 golfers in the world will be there. And... It's really a who's who. Uh, it's also the first major, major event in this new season of the FedEx Cup race. And so the best part about the coverage is that, like, for the last week, it's been live from the Masters. And there's literally, like, a live panel of, you know, David Duvall and, you know, Justin, um, uh, I forget his name. It doesn't matter. A bunch of, like, very storied professionals commenting at large on like, well, he's going to have to do this to his golf hit, his golf <laughs> yeah. swing, if he wants to be competitive this weekend. And it's yeah, just like all the, the live analysis. Yeah. Um, so they have all these practice rounds and guys are out toying around around Augusta all week. John Rahm, who is number two, number three in the world now, he, he, he was the first Spaniard to attain world number one status since Seve. So his biggest idol you know, he came over from Spain. He played at uh, Arizona mm -hmm. and uh, lives out there now, has club membership there. One of the coolest young phenoms on tour. And so he hit a, a hole in one on a par three two days ago. And then yesterday on his birthday, he did it again. He just yeah. did it by skipping the ball across the water. Shot. The old trick shot. So he had three skips across this placid pond. And then the ball comes out, kind of hits the fringe, makes a big arching sweep towards the cup, which is tilted in a way that it begs for, you know, holes in one. And so on his birthday, he hit his second hole in one in as many days. Amazing. 
So hopefully, hopefully an indication of things to come. Um, we'll never get more spoiled than, you know, the Masters last year, obviously. Was it last year? Couldn't tell you. Um, Tiger won. Oh, yeah. It was okay. either last year or the year before, but I'm pretty sure it was last year. It's just been a year and a half. Yeah. But greatest weekend in golf. Awesome trick shot. I think he was even surprised. Mm-hmm. The I think the best moment in recent Masters history is actually on one of the par threes. You had a threesome with Jordan Spieth. This is in regulation, like one of the 72 holes they play tournament weekend. You had a threesome with Ricky Fowler, Justin Thomas, and Jordan Spieth. And Ricky, I can't remember who goes first. I think it was Justin Thomas tees off first, hole in one. Ricky tees off, hole in one. Like goes on top of the other ball. And then Jordan Spieth got up and uh, I think he three putt for a bogey. (laughs) (laughs) And then his career unraveled shortly thereafter. But yeah, the two back-to-back hole-in-ones, that was crazy. Pretty crazy. Incredible. I feel like that dumb sports announcer. You remember that thing that you did that one time? That was crazy. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for reminding me of that, though. Um, Any other last-minute notes from you? Um, That's all I got this week. I'm good. Heston, where can people find Flybox? Is it flybox.io? Yep, the the website is flybox.io. That's F-L-Y-B-O-X. And my Twitter is Heston83. Heston83. Yeah, folks, if you engage with Heston on Twitter, he will engage you back. Yes, yeah, yes, absolutely. I feel like it's more reliable than your, your cell phone sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, just tweet it. Um, thanks for coming on. This yeah. has been a real treat for us. It's Truly. been a ton of fun. That was a fast two hours. And <laughs> ever since uh, y'all mentioned McFlurry's, I'm thinking about that. So. Oh, man. <laughs> dinner time <laughs> but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun i really appreciate the invite yeah well tots we did it again number Man. 56 in the books pretty crazy so grab your condiments enjoy the weekly catch-up podcast and we will catch you up next week see ya